Hello, and welcome to the Yoga of Resilience podcast presented by Vera Bhava Yoga. I'm your host, Kelly Golden, here to guide you in an exploration of yoga and its relationship to resilience. I'm a writer, yoga teacher, dedicated practitioner, and exhaustive thinker. And I've been practicing and studying yoga since 1995 and teaching since 2003. This podcast follows my exploration of Sri Vidya Tantra and its direct application to our lives in all situations on and off the mat. Through contemplation, conversation, wandering, and experience, we unpack the ways in which resilience is synonymous with the path and practice of yoga and the ways that both practices support us in showing up whole and alive in the midst of hardship and challenge. Most of these conversations were recorded live with current Virabhava Yoga students, and you can find yoga asana practices affiliated with each episode on our website, virabhavayoga.com. These practices and conversations are guideposts on the path to living a resilient life. If you would like to explore with us more deeply, check out our programs at virabhavayoga.com and practice with our teachers online and in your area. Hello friends. In this episode, I do my best to unravel the understanding of complexity, a difficult challenge to say the least. I weave together some ideas about the nature of the complex and our engagement with it and take a practical stance on how we can work with it right now in our everyday lives. I challenge the approach of reducing and managing complexity and instead invite you directly into the possibility that it holds. I hope you enjoy, and I hope that rather than making things more clear, this episode leaves you with curiosities and questions that inspire you to explore further. When I tried to write a blog post about holding complexity, there were so many words. Um, So another thing that's a little bit underground, but I have been talking about it, is I'm in the the process of finishing a book. Um, My manuscript is due the end of June to the publisher, um, which is exciting, but it also means I'm like drowning in words, right? There are just so many ways to say things, uh, and I have perpetually have a thesaurus and a dictionary open on my desktop. So um, when I wrote about complexity, even trying to write about complexity got really complex. So in in thinking about what I can bring to you today, uh, I'm going to try my best to, to bring complexity down to earth I can't imagine that I'm going to make it any less complex because the nature of it is to be intricate and elaborate. Um, But I do hope that I can make it palatable and digestible. And um, and then I'll hand it over to Lauren to to make it embodied. Yeah. So. I don't think any of us are going to question that we're living in really a really complex world that really in a really complex time. Um, maybe we're not sure what complexity means. So I looked it up on the, in the dictionary. It's already, that's always open on my desktop. 
And complexity means the quality of being intricate and entangled. And I thought, that's the definition of Tantra. The quality of being intricate and entangled. So uh, Tantra says that we are a microcosm of the macrocosm and that the macrocosm uh, is a reflection of the microcosm. And what that means in layman's terms is that we are entangled with everything all the time. So everything that uh, catches us, that uh, we obsess over inwardly, even if we never say it out loud, everything that we're exposed to, every relationship experience, every circumstance, everything that we're quietly perceiving inside that maybe we never speak out loud is still being reflected in our macrocosmic experience. So in that which is outside of us. That there is no way to have uh, a secret inner life that isn't then somehow expressed in your outer world. It doesn't mean that you don't have a secret inner life. It just means that it's to a tantrika, it's not terribly surprising when that secret inner life comes and slaps you in the face from outside of you all the time. Things that you thought nobody else knew about still sort of slides into your experience um, in ways that only you would understand, right? But Tantra says that we're entangled with everything all the time and that everything is generating itself in, com- in increasing levels of intricacy and complexity, So Tantra is not a spiritual system that says simplify, reduce, diminish, negate, take away, make less. Tantra is not a spiritual system that is is asking you to simplify anything. Right? And and I'm going to do my best to try to explain why artfully. We'll see if I can do this. Uh, I feel like I created a circus and then for myself to jump into and trying to teach had a whole complexity. I was like, let's make a little ring for Cirque du Soleil and then see if I can uh, do my acrobatics in there. So there is such thing as simplicity. Um, but because of entanglement, we can't really experience it. And that's a gift. So uh, let me break this down really simply. Uh, things that are simple are called facts. The things that are. There is ground beneath your feet. There is a sky uh, above your head. You're breathing air. Now, none of those things are actually simple. To be very clear. But we can look at certain things that are unchangeable uh, in our perception and call them simple. In my understanding, never, ever, ever can we do that with a relationship of any kind, right? But things that are simple are called facts. The problem, or I don't even want to call it a problem. The game is that those facts or those simple things must be perceived. So we are constantly perceiving Simplicity through our own individual filters. 
And through that perception, we are bringing every experience, everything we've learned, everything that has uh, created an impression, a trauma, a trigger, a joy, an association towards beauty, an association towards fear, a need to protect, all of that that is you and only you in your unique and beautiful snowflake kind of way and only me in my unique and beautiful snowflake kind of way we're bringing all of that with us when we perceive the facts everybody is literally seven billion perceptions of the fact that we're standing on the ground right and that perception of simplicity is complex by its very nature. It's intricate and it's entangled. It's entangled with the past. It's entangled with time and culture. It's entangled with everything that you're experiencing now. It's entangled with all of your hopes and dreams of what will be, right? You get me? And none of it is the same for any one person or for any two people. It is completely and utterly individual to you. In, in Tantra, that's called Sva, S-V-A. Yours. And even if, uh, you know, I love the identical twin comparison game. You know, even if you were born to the same parents, that you have practically the same DNA, that you are exactly the same age, give or take a minute or two, that you've lived in the exact same place, you will still end up perceiving the world absolutely uniquely than your identical twin, right? There might be points of crossover, but you will never, ever, ever see things exactly the same way, right? So this is the relationship between simplicity and complexity. Now, the difficulty comes when we desire For people to perceive the world as we perceive it. You know what I'm talking about. When you want people to see things like you see it, your complexity then becomes complicated. Right? So complication is when you think or perceive or desire for other people to see the world like you see it. And it's a reductionist philosophy. I don't want you to see it like you see it. I just want you to see it like I see it because then I can manage everything because you're seeing like I see. Right? Are you with me on this? I think the example I gave in the blog post was about apples. Right? So you go to the store to buy some apples You come with all your preconceptions. Maybe you grew up uh, on an apple farm. Maybe you have a a crush on Johnny Appleseed, mythologically speaking. Maybe you don't like the taste of apples, but you you have been told that an apple a day keeps the doctor away. And there's another level of complexity that you have learned about apples. Maybe you're into organic apples and maybe you didn't want a lot of fossil fuel use in your whatever all of these things come with you when you walk up to the produce stand and pick up your apple and make a decision on what you're going to which apple you're going to buy and then you fill your bag with apples and you walk away 
We're beautifully complex that we can bring all of this stuff with us just to make these simple decisions. I want an apple, right? The challenge then becomes, and how we, how we get into these complicated experiences, is that a dozen other people walk up to the produce stand to buy apples and maybe the spaces of discernment or choice that they are drawing on to buy their apples aren't your spaces of discernment. That they've learned different things about apples and they desire different things from the apples they purchase. It is, that's the simple part. The only simple thing is that we live in complexity and constantly make it complicated. That's the only place where we can reduce it down because it's comical. That we willingly, maybe not knowingly, but willingly complicate every situation. Have you ever been to a produce stand and had an argument over which produce is better? right? It's insane. And then we wonder why we suffer. Well, we suffer because, you know what? Complication is a challenge. It's hard. It's complicated. And it's exhausting to try to continually invest energy in trying to get people to see it my way. Or your way. If you're not sure if that's true, I encourage you, as always, have a kid. Put your shoes on. I don't want to put my shoes on. Right? There you go. That's where it begins. Or get a partner. It doesn't matter what kind of partner, an intimate partner, a business partner, a friendship. It doesn't matter. Get a partner and watch things go from complex to complicated almost instantly. Right? And that is not a mistake. That's what I'm here to tell you. That's the design. The play is how do I exist in the complex where there's so much beauty and so much opportunity and so much to savor, so much juice and flavor? How do I exist in that place and not? constantly be in the bind of complication, right? And that's what Tantra is. It's that existence. And that's uh, what I do my best, (laughs) which is as good as it is, uh, to share with you guys all the time. It's definitely what I'm going to be dancing with on Sunday. So, the, the, one of the facts, this is a simple thing, is that existence is overwhelmingly complex. It's so much. There's a reason that our brains filter like 90% of what we perceive. Right? We can't even take in the fullness of our environment because everything is so complex. And nothing started now. Literally nothing started now. Right, So everything's been spinning and coming together and stories have been created and passed through and on and on and on and on and on. You have your ancestors' DNA inside of you and all of those stories get passed into you and through you and as you, right? So 
it can feel overwhelming. And, and, and I, I don't want to reduce the overwhelm of complexity, but I do want to reframe it. If we let complexity exist, and this is, I want to, again, emphasize, we can't not let it exist. But if we step willingly towards the recognition and existence of complexity, then life can be really beautiful. Right? Even the hard stuff. Um, Beauty doesn't mean easy. And beauty doesn't mean good. And beauty doesn't mean right. But it does mean beautiful, awe-striking, breathtaking, right? If we can be in the complexity, then we're living a life of beauty, right? And that's, um, I think, uh, Shankara, some people, there's a big argument in the tantric world about uh, whether tantra, whether Shankara was actually the grandfather of tantra or um, not because originally he was a, a Advaita Vedanta teacher, um, but there are some that believe that Shankara was the grandfather of Tantra. He wrote a book called the Sri Sundariya Lahari, and in that book he says the world is beautiful. That is the very first worldview, the premise that he states: the world is beautiful because it is a manifestation of the most beautiful one. The world is beautiful because it is a manifestation of divinity. And I'm always challenged and and challenging those moments when we say, well, this is beautiful, but that's not. Right. And we're living in the in divided times we're living in. And sometimes it's really hard to say to not say. uh, Or it's sometimes really hard to acknowledge that even the most devastatingly horrific things are also beautiful, right? And that's another premise of paradoxical nature is that if it's not at once devastatingly horrific and beautiful, then we need to keep looking for the divinity in it. We haven't yet found that place of wholeness, right, or unity, or yoga, until we can see within the one, the other exists, right? So that's the nature of tantric idea. So if we can let our experience exist with all its complexity, then we're, we're starting to move into those spaces of beauty, and our challenge then becomes not to unwind or deal with it or survive it, but to widen our eyes to take in more so that the beauty can be found even in the most challenging, difficult, and even horrendous places, right? But usually, and you know, I know most of you on this call, so uh, you know what I'm talking about. You And maybe if you don't, your Vichara partner does. But usually what happens is we attempt to reduce the complexity down to manageable bits. Right? Have you noticed that? We, we, we want manageable explanations. We want manageable experiences. And this 
desire to reduce the complexity down to what's manageable is where we start to give ourselves the illusion that we're in control. Because we perceive in our unique perception that is so snowflake-like, so unique to you, and not like anybody else's perception, when we apply the tool of control, we perceive that we've taken this very complex and potentially complicated situation and we've made it manageable. Whereas other people around you might wholeheartedly disagree. They may perceive that your desire to reduce and control has then made the, the situation more complicated. Right? Would your, would your partners agree with me at this point? I feel like I should next. So I guess the June, the June or Ju, the July workshop might be like for your partners. Let me just tell you what I tell your partners all the time. And they'll be like, yes. Right? So this idea that we feel like that we're perceiving that we've got control over a situation that by its nature is, is complex and, and not controllable, uh, makes us feel safe and protected and everybody else feel crazy. Or at least frustrated, right? The bridge to crazy, frustration. Right? So this game that we play where we're trying to reduce and control does not manage complexity at all. And most of the time, it makes things more complicated. Have you noticed? Now, I'm not saying that you shouldn't bring some sort of sequence and order and ritual to your life. I'm not saying that you shouldn't uh, put the dishes away or make your bed or pay your bills. I'm not saying that at all. Yes to all of that. That's life living stuff. It is the inspiration, the impetus for those actions that is what we're talking about. If you are doing those things, right? We're watching. I'm, I'm watching you. I'm watching you fold your laundry. If you're doing those things that need to be done because we're humans on the planet right now. But you're doing them from a place that doesn't make you feel like, I've just got to control the madness, and if I can get this, I'm going to perfect everything, and then everybody's going to fall into line and see things my way, and I'm going to fold all this laundry, and my kids are going to put it away, and there's not going to be an argument. It's not going to be complicated. I'm just going to do it, and they're going to participate. When we can let go of that and be like, I'm going to fold the laundry because folding the laundry makes the laundry beautiful. It creates some order in my days, but it doesn't order the chaos. And then we don't hold on to the necessity that everybody else participates with the laundry the way that we think they should. Then we get to dance in the beauty. Then we just get to be in the complexity because ordering chaos or pretending, playing with ordering chaos might be your nature. It might be part of the game, but if we can recognize it as something coming from inside, it's spacious. It's a way that we hold complexity. But if we do it as a demand or expectation for the external world to meet us, then it's complicated and it's a way we try to avoid complexity. You with me? You know what I'm talking about. 
The hard part about those reduction and control things is they tend to exhaust our energy. We tend to feel overwhelmed and overrun and misunderstood and um, overlooked, right? All of those things. The constant not enoughness that comes from trying to reduce and control that extreme intricacy and beauty that is the complexity in which we live. One of the reasons I perceive that to be true is because we abhor being perplexed. We despise those spaces where we don't have the answers, where we don't know, where things are unknown, where there's mystery, where complexity grows and we get farther away from the ability to decipher it. We do not, as humans, like that. Because we perceive, and I don't know that that's true about humans, because I do think there's some indigenous cultures in the world that were um, existed in, in spaces where they were in awe most of the time. And though they might have created myth and story to color their unknowingness, they didn't attach to the necessity of proof and demand and, and performance and production, Right? And, and when we're in those control spaces, spaces I want to lean into might be possibly the result of our current cultural overlay and maybe not our natural state of being and understanding. When we're in those places, everything feels wrong, right? And our idea is, if I can just get it to feel right, then I will have figured it out. And we move, instead of moving into a space of surrender and openness and possibility, where we allow complexity to exist, we harden and tighten and reduce and control more and more and more. And we never once, or maybe we do, you're here. If, you, if you're here in this conversation, you definitely do. Sometimes we wonder, is what we're doing working? And I will say that that might be the most important question that Tantra asks you to ask yourself, is what I'm doing working? You're the only person that knows why you're doing what you're doing, and you're the only person that knows what you seek from the doing. Right? So is, what I'm, is the way I'm approaching these situations where I feel overwhelmed, where I feel misunderstood, where I feel triggered or attacked or whatever it is, is it working for me the way that I'm approaching it? And I'll say this just as an aside. I know there's a huge movement right now to rest. Rest is self-care, right? And reduce, do less. And I'm not, ex I'm not hypothesizing that we should do more. Not at all. Holding complexity isn't a doing kind of thing. It's not an invitation to add more things to your list. But it's also not a... Uh, it's, it's also not not that. If more things come, can you hold what comes? Yes, for sure. But I'm not saying that holding complexity is equated with being busy. 
But I do want to say that if you are reducing your load and you are resting more, yet you still feel overwhelmed and incapable and um, misunderstood and highly triggered, then resting might not be increasing your capacity to hold more. Right? So you might need to, to look at that um, overlay that we're being invited into and see if it's working for you. Because if we're avoiding difficult situations and we're demanding um, certain types of behavior or to be met by certain types of behavior uh, and we're uh, working really hard to control our environment in such a way that makes us feel safe and then we're resting and, and self-caring and then we go out in the world and we still don't feel like we have capacity to manage what comes to us, the chaos that, that comes to us, then I'm not sure that those strategies are working. And that's what we're here to talk about. We're here to talk about resilience. So if reductionist strategies aren't allowing you to hold the complexity of the world, they're not creating resilience for you. Right? Resilience is the capacity to hold more. Resilience is capacity. Right? And so if you're feeling like you don't have capacity for anything else, then finding the opportunities to allow your self-care to grow that capacity and the ways to work with what comes to you and what comes through you and what you are creating in the world and producing out into the world, those are all ways we can build our capacity for more complexity. We strive to lessen the complexity at the expense of diminishing the beauty most often. Right? So when we lessen the complexity, we lessen the possibility. Never truly lessening the complexity. But when we try to make things less complex, we also reduce what's possible for us. And again, I want to emphasize this. This isn't just about good stuff. And I know I say this a lot. I'm going to say it again, but I can't remember the last time. Well, maybe recently. But... Most of my big life lessons have come from hard places, not from celebratory places. Right? So when things are hard, it's an invitation to increase your capacity, to learn your lessons, to grow and expand. So inviting complexity in, even if it looks like a challenge, is the way the tantrics move through the world, right? We're not reductionists. Complication and effort aren't inherently bad. If we know that where it's coming from and if we are aware of our engagement with it. Does that make sense? So... Have you ever been in a situation, I'm just going to use your partner because that's the easiest place to, you know, those are the people that have those little pokey fingers. If you are in a place where your partner triggers you and you respond to that trigger with your ammunition, your weaponized triggers, and it complicates the situation as it tends to do, 
If you're aware, even after the fact, oh man, my response to that situation, my reaction just made things really complicated. Then it's an opportunity to swim and deeper into the complexity. I just did that and made it more crazy. Right? Efforting, trying hard to get things to go your way and then having a moment where you laugh at yourself because you know it's just going to go. It's not going to go your way or their way. It's just going to go. And you're so, you're kind of funny. You're a little comical that you're trying to make it go your way. That isn't bad. Those are openings. Those recognitions, those awarenesses, those are the things that stretch your capacity. Right? When you recognize yourself creating complication, when you recognize yourself efforting to do something that can never be done, and you're able to take that recognition of self in, it grows your capacity to hold more. And here is the uh, shtick of that. Here's the poke. Every time your capacity grows, you will be given the opportunity to grow it more. Right? So it doesn't then, there's not some great threshold that you cross where life just gets simple. Oh, I figured it out. Did you see how I engaged in that situation and just made it harder? I'm so silly. Oh, now I know. I did that. I made it harder. Capacity grows. You know what happens? Then the trigger gets bigger or more intense or more personal. Right? So... It doesn't, the game never stops. But our opportunity to see the increasing complexity of the game as something beautiful, something even uh, worthy of our engagement, that's, that's where we stand. That's the precipice on which we stand in Tantra is to see this as more beauty as well as more challenge and complication, and then to willingly, it's just Shakti, to willingly go into it. There's a reason, I think I might say this almost every call, but there's a reason this is called Vera Bhava Yoga and not Shanti 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 Yoga. Right? The courage it takes to keep willingly walking in, opening up, allowing more, experimenting with your Uh, growth edges, gathering your lessons, taking them with you, allowing more, trying again, growing a little bit more, all of that, it takes so much courage and so much energy. So here is my plea for resilience. Please call your energy back in a very, very simple way. Stop making things complicated. Now let's talk about what that looks like practically because it's really easy to say that theoretically, but I'm not here to teach you any theory. Screw that. Nobody needs more theory. How does that look in your life? It looks really hard. Because it looks like allowing space for everyone's unique point of view, even if it's not in alignment with yours. It doesn't mean that you change your mind. But it means that everyone gets to have their own unique perspective. That every snowflake 
gets to be heard, accounted for, seen. Right? That there isn't the recognition that there isn't just one way and there isn't just a right way or a wrong way or a good way or a bad way. And that is so, that is takes so much self discipline. So we make mistakes all the time. And that's another way that you can learn to increase your capacity to hold complexity is to screw it up all the time. To forget and then remember and forget and then remember and then forget and then remember. Holding complexity is a choice. It's a moment to moment, breath to breath choice. And when someone or something or some circumstance or life experience or the world, guys, we are in the highest levels of opportunity to practice right now. When the world starts to spin and in that spin, you scramble to take a stance, to take a side, to make one side of that experience right and another side wrong and forget their infinite points, infinite layers of complexity between where you stand and where anyone else stands. When you're in that place where the world is offering this to us right now and you're about to take a stance, take a breath instead. And wonder, just be curious. That's all you have to do. Just be curious about other points of view. Now, It's really easy to categorize some points of view as right and some points of view as wrong. Use the waypoint of justice and things get really apparently simple. But here's what I want to say is that simplicity is false. And the invitation, I have an amazing teacher I keep considering like running away from my life and just going to be a groupie for this teacher. What would that look like to follow a um, 63-year-old Canadian around the world? He doesn't go very far, but around the North American continent. He says this, this thing, and I just keep thinking about this all the time. He says, when you're in a point of conflict, You can argue your side and the other person can argue their side. And because you're never going to share the same perspective, you can just constantly complicate the situation. Or you can stand up, walk around the divide, and take a seat next to the one that you're in conflict with. And without saying a word, just look in the direction that they're looking. That's all you have to do. Just look in the direction that they're looking. Look at what they're looking at. Rather than what you are looking at or how you're perceiving their vision. And then maybe you won't change your mind at all, but maybe you'll understand where they're coming from. Maybe there'll be space for you to hold the complexity of their differing perspective. And then in that holding of the difference, 
we start to reconnect to each other. And then the healing that our, we thought that our stance taking and our division would create or demand will actually start to happen. Right? That's what we have the opportunity to do. That's what Tantra invites us to do. And that is the most resilient way to live your life. If we're living our lives with our shields up, terrified to be triggered, terrified to be challenged in our belief systems, stance taking inside our belief systems, refusing to see anybody else's point of view, waiting to get hit by the weaponized triggers of others and barring ourselves, hiding ourselves, protecting ourselves, refusing to take in the world, then we're also not seeing the world. We're also perceiving that the world is a dangerous place that we should be afraid of when in truth, I mean, I don't know where you are in the world, but it is spring. And the flowers are blooming and the trees are turning green and the sky for the first time in Asheville in weeks is blue and the sun is out. And I don't care what's happening in the world, friends, that is beauty. And if you have gotten yourself to a point of complication where the complexity of beauty coexisting with your fears and your troubles and your triggers has has become unattainable, when you are either oaring your life, then life is hard to live and often can feel like it's not worth it. Or it's impossible, but when you can hold the complexity, that's the invitation that Tantra says. Can you hold the beauty side by side, right up against the things that feel ugly and painful and devastating and torturous? Can you hold them at once? And when you can, and maybe it happens little by little, but when you can start that practice then life becomes more full and you begin to have room for more. And when you have room for more, that includes different points of view. That includes people that you disagree with. Right? Do you get me? Now, here's the the last point. I'm sure I'm way off the page. Holding complexity breeds empathy and compassion because it requires us to remember that everyone, I want to even go as far as to say every sentient and non-sentient being has a version of the story that you're living that is unique to them and not the same as yours. Every single molecule that vibrates has a unique way of perceiving the time and the place and the experience and the circumstance and the situation and the relationship and the feelings. And when you can hold complexity, when you can allow that to be true, then you become more compassionate and more empathetic because you recognize 
that what's coming at you is coming from somewhere. Those things that you vehemently disagree with come from somewhere. And that coming from somewhere is a point of understanding. And a point of understanding breeds connection. It doesn't breed division. So try it. You know that probably when you get off this call, when you get done practicing with Lauren, you're probably going to be able to put it to the test right now. Because while you're here hanging out with me and Lauren, somebody somewhere in your life is trying to complicate things. Maybe it's in the kitchen. Maybe it's in the bathroom. Maybe it's at work. But somebody somewhere is trying to make things complicated. What happens When you take this right now out into your world, what happens when you allow the complexity to exist as an entry point to understanding and then that understanding to breed connection? Put it to the test right now. You don't have to wait. I'm glad you're going to do asana because I think there's going to be an amazing way to bridge this with embodied practice and You don't have to get on your mat ever again to practice this. And everything, it could change everything. It doesn't mean that we don't act in the direction of what we believe. So remember that point too. Sam's here. Coming to you live from the other room. It doesn't mean that you don't act. It doesn't mean that we stop being activists or we stop being political or we stop being outspoken. What it does mean is we stop fighting against other people, other points of view, other experiences, other perceptions, and we start fighting for what we believe. And when we stop fighting against others, and start fighting for that core of truth that exists inside of us that we feel compelled and inspired to share and to um, work for, then we can fight for things without fighting against others. Right? It's possible, I promise you. It's not easy. I won't guarantee you that. I won't even pretend like it's easy. But every little piece, every little time you do it, every little time you allow more in instead of trying to reduce it or diminish it, every single time your capacity will grow. And the more you do it, the more your capacity will grow and the more the universe will fill your capacity with more opportunities to grow your capacity. Yeah. All right. I think that's it. Thanks for stopping by uh, for this lovely rant. Um, If you have any questions, uh, that's great. You did a great job. Uh, I can't imagine that you could walk away with this without a metric ton of questions. If you don't have any questions, I find that more curious. You should text me. Let's talk about the fact that you don't have any questions. Um, 
Try to go out and understand somebody, man. The challenge is laid down. Bye. Hi, folks. We hope you enjoyed listening. If you would like to access the asana practices affiliated with each episode, please check out our webpage, www.dirabhavayoga.com backslash podcast. And take advantage of our online classes, programming, and apparel by using the discount code podcast2021, all uppercase letters, to save 20% off everything on our website. That discount code is podcast2021, all uppercase. Thanks for listening.